Podcraft. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode, Understand and Manage Differences in Your Relationships. This is going to be a monologue. I give you several examples in my own life and in my work with couples of what comes up in differences in people's relationships and how to navigate them, what's good to negotiate, what's good to accept, and how you bring that attitude in. The how is much more important than focusing on what it is that is different. So what kind of attitude are you bringing in? Are you being curious? Are you being interested in the other person and their viewpoint and their values instead of concluding and having a right and wrong attitude? I discuss ways to have good communication when it comes to differences, like expressing your needs and your wants and your preferences and what's the difference between those. Training your mind to also focus on either commonalities or what it is that you actually really like about the other person. What you appreciate and the good qualities instead of highly focusing on the negative and the separation and the differences. And truly accepting the person for who they are and how it is futile to try to change other people and what we can do to actually change our own attitude and our own perception. I also discuss the big difference between a complaint and a criticism. And that's a jewel for many people. I think that's a nugget to really understand the differences in a complaint, which is talking about somebody's behavior, and a criticism, which is talking about somebody's personhood and their personality. So before we get into the meat of the show, the segment, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Still Point Wellness. Still Point Wellness is Asheville's premier Esalen massage and saltwater flotation spa. And I would like to talk about the saltwater float tank. This is an experience of pure relaxation. It's a pure float. You can drift away into total bliss. You're floating on top of 1,500 pounds of Epsom salt in a state-of-the-art float tank. You can stand up in it. You can spread your arms in it. You can open up the door. Everything you need will be provided for you, including a float specialist who will walk you through the entire process, answer any questions you may have, and make sure you are comfortable and confident before you float. It is wonderful for stress reduction and anxiety. It's a great way to repattern the mind-body connection. So check out the saltwater flow tank. And when you mention the code PREPO, you get 10% off your first float and your first Esalen massage. So check them out at stillpointwell.com. So I think we all know that because human beings are different, that differences in relationships are inevitable. But sometimes they can be too much, and we question, is there too much of a difference 
in our relationships? What do we do about the differences to make it more compatible, to make it more ease in our relationships? I think we have to remember and instead understand that differences can call for understanding and negotiating. Negotiating is a big part of working through differences. And if we truly appreciate these differences, I think it can lead to transformation that transcends and includes taking relationships to a higher level. So I think one problem is that we often think of compatibility as similarity, but too much sameness can be boring. Besides, do you really want to be married and partnered to yourself? with all of your own flaws and weaknesses. Most of us want someone who will make up for our own failings or enhance our strengths and enrich our lives. So I think differences are important. But while it may sometimes be true that we hear that opposites attract, some differences can drive us just freaking crazy. When one of you is a neat freak or the other one is a slob, right? That's a big common one that I hear all the time. That could drive people crazy. What do you do with that when you're living together? Well, we'll talk about that. I mean, I was just thinking about, my wife goes to Denmark two or three months out of the year. And I know I get into my my routine and sometimes I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, you know, my routine of, just maybe picking up more Thai food and at times watching movies when I'm eating, getting on the computer a little bit too much or watching some more sports. But I wouldn't want to do that all the time. I really love when she comes back and we're having our dinners on the balcony and we're making dinners and we are not watching TV when we eat. I would not want to be with somebody that had those habits those little vices that I have. I want somebody that has different vices, different little quirks that we gotta be really careful about not teasing each other about those, but really looking at the positive aspects of some of those quirks and some of those vices. But again, think about it. Do you really want somebody that thinks exactly the way that you do? How would you grow? I know I wouldn't. I love that my wife comes from a different country and she brings a very different background into our house of cultural ways to look at the world or even the political aspects of that she grew up in a Scandinavian country that I believe is more civilized, taking care of their people in different ways than we do here. And so her history brings a lot of ideas that has opened and expanded my mind. And I've really benefited and grown from that difference. And I know at times that she has very much grown from my background that I bring in, some of my ways of thinking that's helped her see the world in a different way, ways that I've been more uh, social and gregarious, and thinking and talking about different subjects have brought a different view for her to expand her way of thinking and walking in the world, maybe helping her be more assertive in the way that she approaches things as opposed to maybe a little more passive and allowing. And I become more allowing 
and maybe sit back and maybe listen more based on how I experience her. So I think it's wonderful when couples allow those differences to enhance and grow those parts of ourselves that we really need to grow. I mean, that's basically why we choose somebody that's different. There's a part of them that they have that we actually want to have within ourselves. They're mirrors also of us. So there's things that we have to look at in that person to see to see our own shortcomings as we project them onto the world. So it's very interesting to me as of late, especially of how we have to experience everything in our life, the ups and the downs and the hots and the colds and and the loves and the hates and to truly live. You know, like they say in the movies, the sweet just isn't sweet without the sour. So I do think that there is one aspect that we have to take in consideration, and that is we do have to choose well. I mean, that is hard to determine what is choosing well, but we do have to choose well and carefully in our partnership, even knowing that there's all these differences. I mean, mostly I see women choose men for their potential and not really who he is in the moment. I call it, hey, you bought him the way he is, making him change, thinking he's going to change, having all these expectations that he's going to change is a lot of suffering. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. You know, if you're with a partner that has a lot of trouble keeping a job while you're dating them and first couple years that you're with them, that may continue. Can you be with that? Can you be with somebody that may have those continuous challenges throughout your life together? So expecting somebody to change, that's a lot of suffering. As we know, the one control that we have over change is us. So how are we going to change in that perspective of what we don't like in somebody else? How are we going to respond differently? What are we doing in our life to create more creativity in our life? And that's one thing that I think couples don't understand is when they get bored in a relationship and they're looking at the other person, they want them to, to be more creative. It's actually that we need to be more creative. We need to tap into our creativity. And as we do that, we feel more fulfilled. We feel more productive in our life. We feel more passion in our life. And we don't then project that onto our partners. I like to emphasize that it's not the differences that really matter, but it's how we negotiate those differences. That is what is imperative. I think it's the how we go about it. Are we doing it with respect? Are we doing it with kindness? Are we doing it with love? Those are the foundational aspects of relationship communication and connection. And we have to remember that. It's how we negotiate. It's not so much what we negotiate. Because if you're negotiating with a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of resentment, that's going to be detrimental to your relationship. If you're doing it with compassion, understanding, curiosity, that's going to be the foundational aspect of your relationship. And that's going to be the process that you're going to be able to take into more and more of what is going to come up in life of negotiating differences and making decisions. So just remember that aspect. I have to remember it all the time. 
when I feel like emotionally charged about a difference that my wife and I have that I don't believe that she's understanding me at the moment, I have to settle back into, wait a second, how am I coming across? I have to be curious of my own self. Am I asking myself what I call learner type questions? Hey, Prepo, how are you speaking right now? Is that going to get you love? Is what you just said going to get you understanding and closer to her? There's two questions that I think are so vital. What am I doing that's making it difficult to get what I want? Not just doing the dishes and something manipulative, but I want love, I want connection, I want respect. And what can I do to make it easier to get what I want? If we're asking ourselves these questions, then we're really looking at and taking responsibility of how we respond to our emotional triggers and also how we're responding to what we don't like in a behavior of our partner instead of focusing on their behavior. It's much better to focus on our response to their behavior. And that's going to help you a lot through negotiating and navigating differences in your relationship. So many couples do come to me with that challenge of the differences that they have and try and negotiate that. Years ago, I was with a couple that they told me their story of. They both met in college. They were both kind of uninterested in comparing notes of religious beliefs or political affiliations at the time. They just accepted each other. One of them said, wow, I just appreciate his humor. And, and he said, I really loved her smile. And that was kind of the end of it. We got along well. But of course, after years of being together, some of those experiences shaped themselves in different ways. He came from a broken family while hers was firmly intact and he was staunchly conservative while she leaned more to the left or what people might label new age. And again, his upbringing, his religious upbringing was more traditional. So they ignored the differences in hopes that they could eventually learn to think and believe in the same way. Well, you guessed it, that really didn't happen. So there was big differences that was laid out in front of them. And they had at times every reason to say their goodbyes and move on. But they decided to stick together and they wanted to learn far more about who they were as individuals instead of being carbon copies of each other. So that's something that we really worked on in our counseling. They certainly didn't think alike, but you know what they did? They loved alike. They brought in that respect and curiosity and that tenderness and then kindness. And in doing so, they both learned some really sweet lessons in life. And I think one of them, as they told me, was that right and wrong is just a matter of perception. That their beliefs as individuals aren't invalid, but they just knew that the world was painted in shades of gray instead of strictly black and white, and thus they opened the door to acceptance and growth. So convincing others that we believe is right isn't our job. 
our job is to respect that others' beliefs and opinions and thoughts are worthy of consideration too. And that is what this couple did to really shift their relationship to a deeper understanding and level. To go back to this couple, I remember another thing that they learned was that personalities, they said, that were opposite ends of the spectrum, there were things that they saw in each other, they were given anything to change. And in concentrating on those things, they seemed to grow and expand, and they became even more irritating. But when they accepted it and loved them in each other, they seemed to dissipate. That's strange how things work, isn't it? I remember an, another couple told me how complete opposites they were. And in the beginning, she said that she was interested in being perfect around him until she realized that he was just being himself the whole time. And they used to fight a lot. And as they were complete opposites, but the second that she decided to accept him, fully accept him completely as he was, as opposed to trying to change him again, things got better. They still disagree every once in a while, but they have so much more fun because they accept each other as they are, without judgment, without trying to change each other. They just try to understand and accept and move on. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for everybody that has those challenges of differences, is to really try to understand, accept, and move on, and also focus on the similarities that's a big shift that you can make. Instead of focusing on differences, focus on the similarities. Focus on a lot of the commonalities that bring you together and the joys. Or focus on the positive aspects of the person that's even different from you. I know I do that with my wife. My wife, of course, being from Denmark and me from Detroit. She has a different way of using her words and her language, and at times she doesn't use English language so well. And instead of correcting her all the time, I love to hear some of those differences, some of the things that don't make sense, or the small little quirks. Like a few years ago, I was talking to a good friend that I grew up from Detroit, and we were talking fast and in a lot of slang, and I know I was passionate when I was talking to him and laughing a lot. And when I got off the phone, she said to me, Hey, you know what? I really love that you're no pimp. And I kind of paused and I went, mm, I don't think I'm a pimp. I said, honey, did you mean wimp? And she's like, yeah, 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 that's it, wimp, wimp. That you're no wimp. <laughs> and I really didn't want to correct her, but I thought that was a good one to correct her with. And I know that there was things that we definitely had to negotiate. Some of you might have this issue too. The television is a big one. We have a television, but we don't have reception. We never had reception, no cable. We watched DVDs. And my wife was really against it. And I grew up in a culture that I always watched television. But I also knew that it wasn't very good for me, that I, I get addicted to it. When I stay at a hotel when I'm traveling, I got that remote control in my hand until like two o'clock in the morning, still trying to find something of interest to me. <laughs> And I'm just going at it. I don't have a lot of discipline to it. So I actually am very appreciative of her for, that was a non-negotiable for her. She did not want that energy in the house. So 
For instance, sports. When I want to watch sports, I go to a neighbor's or I go down to town and watch in the sports bar. That was something that was near and dear to my heart, but I was overdoing it. So I know that negotiations for people might really have to take place. If you're in a relationship where or your partner really loves to watch sports, negotiate it. Is it one game on a Sunday? And while he's watching the game or while she's watching the game, that the other partner really takes care of themselves and does something that's really interesting for them so that they're not having resentment the whole time. Or hopefully that television is in another room so it's not blaring throughout the house. That's another negotiation. You negotiate to get together and do something as a family after one of you, again, watches a sports game and so forth. Those are negotiations to have to see how that brings in the quality of that connection instead of brings you apart. With sports, there's times where my wife, uh, she definitely doesn't want to watch it, but I might tell her an interesting story about what I just experienced, and she's game for that. (laughs) She wants to hear something that's interesting. So again, I think what's so imperative in these differences is that we got to be really careful that we're not judging the other person. We have to really work towards acceptance and watch those judger type questions. Why, why is she doing it that way? I can't believe, I just don't understand. That's so stupid. Instead, you really want to ask yourself some learner type questions. Have a curiosity like, hmm, I wonder why she chose to do it this way. I wonder what is going on with her that she's making that decision. That's curiosity. That's interest. We turn the volume down on that judgment because judgment can turn a contempt. I'm right and you're wrong. I'm better than you. It can really turn into disgust. And that disgust is one of the major poisons in relationships, right? Rolling your eyes, looking away and shaking your head. That energy can really disconnect people and take you down a spiral that's really hard to recover. I was with another couple some months ago and talk about negotiations. This was an interesting one. She complained a lot about how he didn't put the cups in the right place. She wanted the cups on the second shelf and he would put them all over on the counter, probably on the first or third shelf. And this was a bone of contention. They went back and forth all the time and getting out of hand and getting irate with each other. I remember in one of the sessions, he finally yelled out to her. He said, you know what? I don't give a fuck where the cups go. And I had this realization. I looked at him. I said, hey, man, well, if you don't give a fuck where the cups go, then put them on the freaking second shelf. (laughs) How about that? You don't care where they go. Then just put them on the second shelf. She does. She cares where they go. And he kind of looked at me kind of with a kind of a light bulb. But he was like, wow, yeah, I guess so. I just put him on the second shelf. And there you go. There's a way to negotiate. If one of you is more animate about a decision and the other one really doesn't care, then go ahead and do more of what your partner wants. It's more important to them. And I think with negotiating, one of the prerequisites that's pretty crucial is that you have to have a really good self-esteem. 
Well, you have to have good self-esteem to have a healthy relationship anyway, but in negotiation. Because that means that when you give some and you compromise, that you have a sense of yourself. That you do think that what you're thinking and your opinions are valid, but you don't have to have them at that moment. That you could go ahead and take care of yourself and get your needs also met in a different way. And self-esteem is about that. I deserve respect because I make it easy for the person to respect me in different ways. So it's really good to also look in the ways of negotiation as talking in a communication tool of what is your need, what is your want, and what is your preference. For example, I need water. I want it cold. I prefer it in a green cup. Each time I move along the spectrum, for instance, my preference, if I don't get the green cup, I let go of the attachment to the outcome more. If I don't get my want, which is cold water, then at least I get my need. So I think that that's good to talk about in this way to each other. And you can experiment. You can say to your partner, hey, I need to connect with you today. I want to talk about our dreams of our future. I prefer that we take a walk and hold hands when we do that. See, if I don't get my preference, then at least I get my want to talk about our dreams of the future. If we're not going to talk about that, at least I get my need. I want to connect. So it's really good to understand what a need is and not be so needy (laughs) and say, I need, I need, I need. And a high self-esteem and sense of worth, you understand those differences. And when you're open to experience and allow differences from the other person in a relationship, a lot of interesting things can happen. For me, there was a lot of, like, I would call magic that opened up in my life. I love the great mystery. And my wife really brought that into my life. She is very tuned into allowing the mystery of life and the flow of life. She's very much into astrology and into feng shui. And I had to learn a little bit the hard way about astrology when she would tell me, you know, I don't think it's a good time for you to send in that proposal and start that new contract because it's Mercury retrograde and things don't go really well in that. There's a lot of mistakes and they don't really get started. And I was like, ah, come on, I can't wait for that. Three weeks, are you kidding? And after four or five years of pushing through that, I've learned I do not send contracts out or start negotiations on big projects during Mercury retrograde. And so I understand that flow. It's not, doesn't control me, doesn't control us, but we learn to use it. But there was an interesting story that when we first met, I, I was more rational. And the background that I came from was when you want something, that you are assertive and you go after it. There's ways to do that. You research it, you talk to people, you get money in order to buy it. (laughs) And my wife has a different way and had a different way of bringing things in her life. So I remember one conversation we had early on in our relationship because she was so colorful in her clothes and so unique, that was an inspiration to me and I wanted that more in my life. So I told her, you know what, I wanna wear hats more. I want to wear some cool hats, like maybe a French beret. How about a wine-colored French beret? And she said, wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, you should call that in. 
at that time there was no Amazon. Call it in, what do you mean? So she went out in the forest and when she came back, she told me that she spent some time helping me manifest that hat. A few hours later, I come back and there's a French beret, a wine-colored French beret on my bed. She walks in and I look at her and I say, well, where did you get this? Because I'm thinking the nearest store was 10 miles away. She doesn't have a car. How did she do that? And she looked at me kind of incredulous and she said, well, you asked for it, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, I asked for it. And she said, well, I went out in the forest and I started manifesting it to come to you and that you, how good you would look in it and what it would bring out in you. And then I walked by the community laundry room and there in the free box, I looked and there was a wine colored French beret. Voila. And I'll tell you, we lived at Esalen for a year and I went into the laundry room many, many times a week and I hardly ever saw a hat in there, let alone I never saw a French beret, a wine-colored French beret. So that was pretty magic to me, to allow that manifestation to come in that way. And I tell you, I still have that French beret. I'm actually going to be wearing it today. It's a little cool outside. So after 24 years, I still have it because that symbolizes to me to allow the mystery and the magic in life. And I had a good friend that said to me, hey, did you ever realize that you manifested that hat? She just knew where to look. <laughs> well, that's great partnership in that, to work together. So that story, I just wanted to tell you in some way that we can look at those differences, how they can be tremendous gifts to our life. And I think if we walk in our life, I know when I walk in my life more and I really stop and realize and appreciate the gifts that I have in my life, especially around what I'm resisting. And a lot of times I resist how there's differences in the people that I'm in relationship with. I have a few friends that I grew up with that we are very different. And those of you that might have that also, but there's probably basic commonalities that you don't negotiate. I know for me it's trust and loyalty and kindness and humility and, of course, humor. When somebody has those foundations, I can get along with them. I can connect with them on a deep level. And some of the different interests that they have, then it becomes curious and it becomes a learning process. But when we have those foundational commonalities, that's what brings us close in connection and understanding. So I think in all of those relationships, friendships and partnerships, I think it's really good to ask this question. Do I like myself in this relationship? Am I a better person in this relationship? I think that's imperative because if I believe that I'm not, then it's probably the wrong relationship for me. I've got to look, am I doing all the work around that? And if I am, and I still don't believe that mm, I really like myself and I'm a better person because of this relationship, then I think it's time to rethink that relationship. And those are hard decisions to make. Some of you might be asking that there's some challenging non-negotiables. And you can be right. There are some non-negotiables and you have to think that. For instance, having children. I think that that's a pretty non-negotiable. 
if one of you wants a child and the other one doesn't, that's hard to compromise and negotiate because one person might end up having a lot of resentment, especially in that realm. So I think that that's a non-negotiable. Sometimes around addictions or substance abuse, that can be a non-negotiable. Like I said, my wife with the TV, that was a non-negotiable. Different religious beliefs can be non-negotiable. For my wife and I, we have deep spirituality, but we have it in a, in a different kind of way. My wife's spirituality is more of a branch of feminism that's earth-based and spiritual psychology for women. And I've really learned a lot from her in her experience and her studies of that. She's brought a whole different dimension than what I grew up in. I grew up in a more traditional Jewish tradition background, but i not a practicing Jew and I haven't been a practicing Jewish tradition as an adult. But what was really wonderful with that was my wife wanted to incorporate our differences in our life. During the Hanukkah holiday that's around Christmas, my wife made a beautiful tablecloth that had Hanukkah symbols on them. She embroidered these symbols around this tablecloth along with the Jewish prayer for lighting the candles. And she had all of my family members sign this tablecloth and she embroidered their signature. And so she brings this, we bring this sacred cloth on that celebration to bring in my background and heritage and she facilitated that. She instigated that and that showed a lot of respect. Even though that's not really something that was an interest of mine, she actually brought that in. And so I had a lot of respect and admiration for her that she was interested in my life and my heritage and my background. So I would say to all of you to be interested in the other persons instead of trying to make them come to you and to come over to your side and to have them change to your beliefs. Be more interested in the others and try to meet and negotiate. Also, here's a tip to help with some of those commonalities of those differences, especially around the sloppiness and the neatness that is very common in a lot of relationships. I was with a woman uh, some years ago that she had a very difficult time living with her husband that was very messy, she said. And she tried so many things. A lot of it was yelling at him and being frustrated with him and, and using some punitive punishment, not talking to him at times or being really frustrated with him putting his things constantly away in different areas. And I remember saying to her, hey, have you ever just really tried just appreciating him for who he is, period, not really talking about cleaning up his clothes on the floor? And she said, yeah, kind of. Well, when she said kind of, I knew that she wasn't really putting a focus on it. So I asked her, I said, why don't you just really put a focus on really seeing a lot of the positive appreciative aspects of who he is? and just see what happens. So she did. She focused and gave him a lot of verbal appreciations of the kind of man he was, of being a wonderful provider, being silly and wonderful father, being a really good friend, and she did it over and over in details. And she said, lo and behold, a couple weeks later, guess what? 
yeah, you guessed it, he started cleaning up after himself. It wasn't to the neat uh, criteria that she had, but it was definitely more livable. And she was amazed. And that is also the power of appreciating somebody for who they are instead of judging them and criticizing them. Because here's another tip. A complaint is very different than a criticism. It's okay to have a complaint. A complaint is about somebody's behavior, right? A criticism is about somebody's personhood, their personality. For instance, a complaint would be, yesterday when you told me that you would come home at 6 o'clock and you came home at 7, I, one, I was worried, and then two, when you came home, I was frustrated and angry that you didn't call and let me know. Next time when you're late, would you please let me know? Or when you commit to a time, please come at that time. A criticism would be, you're always late. I can't believe that you're so thoughtless. That's a criticism, going after the personhood, right? So learning to give good complaints, healthy complaints, is also imperative when you talk about differences. When you have challenges of something on the floor that somebody's not cleaning up again, I use that example because it's so common, then use it as a complaint. Hey, the other day when I was walking in the house, I felt really bad that I had to walk over all of your shoes that were in the entranceway. Could you please put them away next time? That's a complaint. Again, instead of saying, you're so inconsiderate. I told you over and over again what to do. I told you over and over again that I don't like how you put your shoes away. That's not going to get us anywhere. That's not going to get us any more love. That's not going to get us any more connection, understanding, respect. Learning good complaints is a really good way to learn how to live with differences. You know, another common difference that people have is the way that they uh, utilize money. Uh, some people in, in partnerships are savers and others are spenders. Some people are very thrifty and they make decisions that are based on a lot of budgets and the other person makes just shoot from the hip decisions, spontaneous decisions when it comes to money and that can be very aggravating for a partnership. So with that, it kind of gets to the basics. It really gets to the basics of maybe you have to have separate accounts. Maybe that you put in just enough money in the joint accounts to take care of your mortgage and your expenses and your foods and so forth, the bills for the house, and then you have separate indiscretion amount, and then you don't have any decision on how your partner uses that, and you have independence in that way, so you don't get frustrated. So take care of what needs to take care of those necessities, and then the other ways of spending is totally on your own. I know some people have a challenging time doing that. I love doing my envelopes, you know, putting envelopes for vacations, envelopes for a project that we may have, and I put money in those envelopes as budgets. And my wife really respects that and loves that. And now that she's learning to do more of that, like I said, her way was bringing in things that things would just come. Well, she wants to go on a European trip this spring that's adventurous with some friends and some teachings and some classes that she wants to take in, in Scotland. 
and she's actually now taking and adopting a different way of preparing for that. She's selling more of her products, of her upcycled clothes, and she's budgeting how that money comes in more, not spending in some other ways in order to save. So I think that there's ways that we can inspire each other. And I know there was times for me that I was too focused on being stringent with money. And last year, I wasn't sure of how we would be able to pay for a long, month-long European trip. And I did a little bit of what she did and kind of just let go and trusted and just put out that things would take care of themselves. And in doing some of that trust and letting go of the grip, I actually got more opportunities financially. They came to me and I took advantage of those opportunities when they came and made decisions to follow through and then do my due diligence of how I do things. That money came into our life that way. We can help each other and inspire each other in those ways. So I do think that we have to remember that we have to recognize that some conflict is part of any relationship. And whether the difference is something simple, you prefer the window open while you sleep and the your partner wants it closed, or something more complex like differences like I talked about in religious beliefs, what's really important is not so much what the disparities are, but how you manage them, both as individuals and as a couple. Also, we need to talk about how your expectations may impact that. Uh, an expectation, a definition, is a yet-to-be-realized resentment. So we have to really watch our expectations and really get more clarity of what is really going on. And check in with our partner on our expectations and not just have them and then they don't come true and then we have this underlying resentment. So working through expectations around differences is very important. And here's one that could be a stretch for some people. But one way to work out differences when possible is a genuine offer to help with a difficult situation that can ease conflict. For instance, if your partner is often late while you're on time, then maybe you can ask what kind of help that they need in order to get out of the house at a certain time. That could be very helpful, even though you say, well, I shouldn't have to give in to that. That's about negotiation and compromise. If there are times that I know that my wife has got a lot of chores that she wants to do or things that she wants to do before we get out, I'll ask her, what can I do to make sure that we're getting out on time? That could be very helpful, but that's putting yourself out, doing something different to benefit the relationship and benefit yourself so that you don't get very flustered and, and stressed and full of anxiety and actually create more connection. And in that reaching out to help each other in those differences, you're creating more trust and more safety and more continuity in your relationship, a good foundation to have. So I think finally, I think we need to remember that some things simply can't be changed. Some differences may be deal breakers, but many are simply part of a package of someone who is not the same as you. And that package may be enriching in your life. So I wish you all well in exploring the differences in your relationships in order to grow. So thanks everybody for listening and make yourselves a beautiful day.
Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit HeartShareCounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at AdiTheMonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us. Thank you.